I am so glad that we are one church in multiple locations. I want to say a huge hello to the, our Alder Grove campus. I am so glad that you are being a shining light in the Alder Grove area. We are praying for you today. No matter where you are watching from, I want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We have been in a series called Change Before You Have To for a while now. Last week, we took a, a break for our Easter, but this week we're jumping back into it. And today we're actually wrapping it up. So if this is your first time here, uh, or first time in a long time, it, it might feel like you're coming in at the end of a movie. Over these last few weeks, we've been looking at some of, uh, some of the life events of an Old Testament prophet named Elisha. This guy not only shows up in the Old Testament, but he, he shows up in a lot of other religious writings. He's, he's a well-known historical figure. Now, uh, a prophet's job in the Old Testament was just to call the Jewish people back to God. Encourage them to follow God closer than they were and to be a shining light in the world that they lived in. In this series, we've, we've seen how Elisha had made an impact on the lives of those around him. His main audience was the Israelites, and they weren't living in their home country. They had been exiled, and God was trying to get their attention. He was trying to get their attention by allowing their lives to be uncomfortable. This was to encourage them to change before they had to. They, they had ignored the warnings from God, and now they weren't living in the freedom that they felt they should be living with. This exile was all about to help them change, the, just to help them change the way they were living, back to listening and obeying the voice of God. Over these last few weeks, we've looked at Elisha having a barbecue, and he's helped a poor widow, and he's told a leader that for him to be healed, he's had to bathe in this dirty river. <laughs> and this week, he's going to teach his assistant that he's not alone. If you'd like to catch up, you're always welcome to check out any of our services or our messages on our YouTube channel. And we, we started this whole series pointing out a study where one in four men who had a recent heart episode, were, they were told that if they didn't make any changes, they'd face a really high risk that they'd have another episode and maybe even face death if something didn't change. Over these last few weeks, yes, we've been talking about a lot of different things. And you might not be at risk of heart failure, but there might be something else in your life that's failing. Maybe, maybe if you don't change, there might be something that will affect your future life. We want you to inspect your life. I need to inspect my life to find out if there's anything that I'm doing that would hurt my future life, my, my future relationships, future decisions that I might want the freedom to make. Today, we're, we're going to see that when we're facing a difficult time, our enemy would like us to know that we're all alone. But there are people who are willing to surround you and to help you out. Today, we'll be looking at a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. And you can turn there now, or you can log on with your smartphones. We're going to be covering a lot of ground, and I might be skimming through a little bit of it. So you might want to follow along and make sure that I'm not making this stuff up. Now, now I find that when I get in a tough situation, or I'm looking to make a change, I sometimes get this idea that I'm all alone. We know that loneliness is a terrible place to be. You might be having an issue with a child. and Sometimes you, you feel like you're the only one who's ever faced this. You're, you're it. If you're making a difficult decision, maybe, maybe the decision is about your health or, or the health of a loved one. Or maybe you have a financial decision to make and it just seems so hard. You sometimes feel like 
You're the only one who's ever had to make this decision or face this tough time. Now, I know this because I hear questions when bad things happen, when changes need to happen. The question I hear is, why is this happening to me? It's almost inferring that you're the only one who's ever had to deal with this. We sometimes feel that in all of recorded history, nothing like this has ever happened. Uh, I did this a few weeks ago. I was feeling sorry for myself. One of my vehicles broke down and it was expensive. And I thought, why is this happening to me like it's never happened to anyone else? (laughs) Let me ask you, how many of you have ever had a car problem? A car broke down. You got into an accident or ran out of gas or had a flat tire. But how many of you got so upset that it was happening to you right then? When we know, we know that we're not the first person that has happened to, but why do we act like that? Why do we do that? We know that it happens to others. Why in that moment do we think it shouldn't happen to us? Why do we feel so alone when this happens? What is it that when we are in the situation that needs a decision, a problem we're facing, a change that needs to happen, why do we ask, why is this happening to me? Why do we ask? Why am I the only one who's had to make a tough decision? Well, we know we're not. Why do we ask? Why am I the only one who's ever faced this problem? Why am I the only one who has to change? Well, we know we're not the only ones who've ever faced this. There are circumstances that everyone faces, but when we're in the middle of it, we feel like we're all alone. We sometimes wonder where our support is. As we read this story about Elisha and his assistant, I think this story will tell us that we are not alone. Maybe we feel like we're alone because we're not looking at the situation the way that God wants us to. In the story of Elisha, we find the king of Aram at war with Israel. And like most kings, he would talk with the officers fighting the wars and strategize to figure out the best way to attack. The author of Kings tells us that the king of Aram would talk to his officers about where they were going to mobilize their forces against Israel. And then immediately, Elisha would tell the king of Israel what the king of Aram was up to. Now, the author doesn't tell us how, but we know that whatever the king of Aram was saying It was quickly related to the king of Israel. Then the king of Israel would make adjustments not to lose lives, and he would mess up their attack. Of course he would. If he knew where they were attacking, this was going to make fighting easy. With this intel, it would make it easy for the king of Israel to defend whatever attack they had. Now, this just didn't happen once. It seemed to happen again and again. Once or twice might have been a coincidence, but when it happened over and over, the king of Aram started to get suspicious. The story continues in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called, his officers to, he called his officers together and demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? Of course, The king would react this way. He would only think that someone on the inside is leaking information to their enemy. This is the only way that they know what's coming. Is really, is there any other way for this to happen? But one of the officers, he knew something that the king of Aram didn't know. Verse 12 says, it is not us, my lord, the king, 
One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. I know that's a little scary. Elisha's reputation is well known, not only in Israel, but in the surrounding nations. Even the nations that would think of Israel as an enemy. Someone knew that Elisha heard things that no one else heard, saw things that no one else could see. And this person has told the king of Aram about it. So this king decides to take some action. Nothing is going to stop him from victory. Verse 13 says, go out and find where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha's in Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army, great army, with many chariots and horses to surround the city. This king's not messing around. He's not going to let Elisha get away with messing up his attack plans. If, if he knows it's only one guy that's keeping him from victory, he's going to do his best to eliminate him. In this passage, this Armenian king attempts to capture Elisha because he is the one responsible for Israel's victories over Aram. Because every time the king tries to attack Israel, somehow Elisha supernaturally warns the king of Israel and ruins his plans. Now, of course, the king of Aram wouldn't like that. This king is sick of losing. Everyone gets sick of losing. You know, you're welcome to insert your own favorite Canadian fan-based hockey team joke right here. We're all sick of losing, aren't we? This king was so sick of losing, he's come up with a plan to get rid of the secret weapon that Israel has, Elisha. Elisha is in trouble. They weren't just sending a few guys to capture him, but the pastor says a great army with many chariots. Elisha isn't a warrior. He's just someone who speaks for God. Let's keep reading verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what are we going to do now? The young man cried to Elisha. When Elisha's assistant sees the Armenian king's attempt to capture Elisha, this assistant feels fear. I don't know about you, but I'd be afraid too. If the guy that I was helping out had his life in danger, I'd feel fear. I know they might have a bad shot. Those arrows weren't very accurate. They don't always shoot straight. And the armies back then, they, they didn't really care about who else they hurt as long as they got the person they were really after. If they were going to hurt Elisha, they really wouldn't care who got in the way. But Elisha, he's not panicking like his assistant is. Elisha knows something and maybe sees something that his assistant doesn't know and see. To Elisha's assistant, this looked like it was not going to end well. He thought it was, it was only Elisha and himself, but Elisha sees something different. For this assistant, the day started terrible. This, this day looks like it's going to be the worst day ever. This new day for the assistant is becoming a nightmare. This assistant saw a problem, and that's all he saw. Elisha saw something different. The story tells us that Elisha prays and asks God to open his assistant's eyes so he can see, and maybe more important, who is really there, because they're not alone. The armies of heaven are on their side. It's, it's good to know that when you're facing your worst day, even your worst nightmare, even though you don't feel it, you are not alone. 
Verse 16, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I'm sure Elisha's assistant is thinking, don't be afraid. What are you, what are you talking about? This isn't even going to be a fair fight. There's more on our side. Elisha, this is grade one math. I can only count two of us. I might not be able to count that high, but I know on, on that side is way more than two. What made Elisha confident that his, and his assistant afraid is what they were looking at. The assistant was looking at the problem. Elisha was looking at the provision of God and the solution. When you are faced with a problem, a change, a, a situation that you didn't know if you'd, that you'd ever find yourself in, you can focus on the problem or you can focus on finding the solution. It's really hard to look at two things at once. The difference in your mindset is what you're looking at. The decision is yours, what you can look at. You can look at the problem in front of you, the change you have to make or the situation that you didn't want to be in but the story continues with the army, with the army, the, the chariots and horses are, are coming toward, they're coming towards them. And, and Elisha prays that God would make them blind. And then it seems like he does this Jedi mind trick on them and says, you have come the wrong way. <laughs> kind of like these aren't the drones you're looking for. That might be the way I just imagined it. But th then this army follows him to the king of Israel. Elisha leads them right to the city where the king of Israel is waiting with his army. The story helps me when I'm feeling like there's no one around. It shows me that when I am feeling alone, I need to stop and see what's really there. I know that we find, out what, we're, we, we find what we're looking for. If you're looking for negative around you, you'll find it. If you're looking for the people on your side, you'll find that too. When you feel alone, know that you're not alone. Even if there is no one physically around you, there is an angelic presence that surrounds us that we can't see. And for most of us, we can't even explain. Now we can talk how God's got you as spiritual beings, and that's true. We could talk about the fact that there's a world that we don't see all the spiritual battles. But maybe more important is the fact that no matter what you are facing today, someone in your life has experienced it. This might be the army that God has sent to rescue you. There are people who, who have experienced what you're experiencing. You just have to look for them. Now, maybe this is the argument that Elisha's assistant would have had. It's one thing to understand that we're not alone. It's a total other thing to see the support you're looking for. Now, I believe in things that I can see. But isn't this what Jesus did for mankind? Throughout the whole Old Testament, people wanted to see God. And in the Old Testament, they saw his signs. They saw the miracles done in his name. But this is one of the reasons that Jesus came in person. People wanted to know what God really looked like. So Jesus came. He was God in a body, something that people could see. I know that there are people in your world that are hurting. They're up against something that they're dealing with. It's a difficult decision. A, a, a child maybe with a problem, a change that they don't want to face. But they need to know that they do not have to face it alone. They are not alone. 
You just have to look for the people with you, the people who have experienced the same thing. My, my prayer as a church is not that we just be praying that God would meet those needs, but we would be the people who could show others what God would do if he were physically here. When we find that there are people who are facing something that they don't want to face, make sure they know that they're not going to have to face it alone. When you're in the middle of something, it's not much to be told that you're not alone. It's more important to know that someone is there by actually being there. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that there are things around us that we don't see. But Lord, more importantly, I, I, my prayer today is for those who might be facing an issue that they didn't want to face. God, I pray that they would be able to open their eyes like Elisha's assistant did, and he can, they, they, he can see those around them that are supporting them, that are fighting for them. And God, my prayer is also for those who have been through maybe the meat grinder. God, I pray that they wouldn't waste that pain, that they would turn around and help someone who might be in the midst of something that they experienced last week, last year, 10 years ago. God, be with us. Help us to be the, the hands and feet of Jesus today in, in, the, in the lives of the people around us. Help them to know that they do not have to do things alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, now is the time for the question of the day. This is an opportunity to think about what we just talked about. Talk about, it, talk about it with those you might be watching with or take the next few moments and think about it yourself. Who is a solution to some of the problems that you are facing in your life, but you don't see them because you're not looking? As I look at this story, I see two types of people. There are those who identify with Elisha's assistant. They are facing change they might not want to face. They're, they're experiencing a life-changing circumstances, and they need to know that they are not alone, that there are people who will be with them. Then there are those who have had an experience and have been sent by God into the world that they already live in. These ones can help other people face the issues, the, the challenges, help others go through the tough times that others are finding themselves in. Which one are you? Do you need someone to stand with you right now? Pray. Pray to God to open your eyes. 
there are those who have faced what you have faced. Open, open up to the people that you trust. Maybe, maybe your life group or a trusted friend. You might just hear, I felt the same thing. Let's journey with this together. Now, when you're facing a hard time, our, our natural tendency is to hide, but that's the worst thing you could do. This is the time where we need to lean into community. And when you do, you might be surprised to hear, I've dealt with that too. This is God's miracle for you that you don't have to do this alone. For the rest of you, what experiences have you faced that you can help others with? Life is better with others. Don't waste that experience. Now, maybe the easiest is, have you ever experienced a broken down car? <laughs> if you hear of a neighbor having something similar, simply offer to drive your friend to and from the garage as their vehicle gets repaired. Have you experienced something more serious? Someone in your circle get diagnosed with cancer? Let them know. Let them know you are praying for them. Show them that in their darkest day when they feel surrounded by their enemy, that you are proof that they can get through it. God is on your side. I really believe that he does miracles like this every day, and maybe these are the best miracles. Maybe the ones that make the biggest impact are the ones where you can wrap your arms around people and show them that they are not alone and show them who Jesus really is. How can you be that blessing to those you live, work, study, and play with this week? Romans chapter 16, verses 26 and 27 says, But now as the prophets foretold, as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever and amen. Don't forget, next week we're starting a brand new series called How Does God Grow Your Faith? Where we're going to be looking at environments that we find ourselves in that will help us grow. Hope you have a great week. Hope to see you back here next week.